Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 41 for Monday, May 27th, 2019. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixel Riffs, and joining me, as always, is Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. Hello, sir. Uh, we normally have a guest for our roundtable discussions, which is what this is going to be. Uh, but uh, we were just super busy this month, and we had a couple people in mind, but ultimately things didn't line up. So mm -hmm. it is going to be a roundtable, but it's just going to be the two of us this week. Yes, it's uh, <laughs> two sides of the roundtable, almost a square table, which is very appropriate <laughs> for, for things in Minecraft. And speaking of things in Minecraft, um, I've seen you've been streaming lately. So so how's the realm of Vastan? Because uh, you were streaming from there, building the, uh, the big old frost tree at the last count. Yeah, so the way that things have worked out recently has actually been quite fortuitous. Uh, the problems that we've been having with 114 and the instability have meant that I don't want to adventure too far on the Citadel, and I don't have a long list of things that I wanted to do on stream. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, I'll take advantage. Plus, I, you know, um, Realm of Aston Season 3 is wrapping up. They're prepping to move on to Season 4 later this summer. So I really have to get a, a move on on this tree, which I didn't necessarily abandon, but I had other interests sure. i guess yeah demanding my time and and plus you you know when i'm new to streaming and you i i kind of was receiving more feedback you know more positive feedback from the citadel streams that i did so um but i i recently did a joint stream with uh with fix it and then i went and did more streams from vastin because while we're waiting for 114 uh, dust to settle it made sense like i could play on vastin i'm only doing the one build i'm not going anywhere i'm not adventuring anywhere i'm not going to ruin anything by loading new chunks and so i was working on that and i have to say i thought it was going to take a lot longer it's still slow don't get me wrong uh but the amount of time that i put into planning this giant tree compared to the amount of time it takes to fill in the gaps between the rings of the tree and the arcs of the tree that I've laid out. It looks kind of like a skeleton, like mm -hmm. as if you had, you know, rings every 10, you know, levels and then vertical lines that go on the north, south, east and west sides of the tree, as well as outlining a couple of branches here and there. Yeah. Uh, and of course the base outline for the roots and it has come together super fast. So lesson learned uh, when you make or want to do a big build like this in Minecraft, plan the crap out of it. Mm-hmm uh it's been a really fun way to hang out with the chat room too because i'm not thinking too much like it's just one birch blo block um which in the realm of Aston, thanks to jermsey boy has a much different texture than the one that you currently have in in vanilla it's much more like acacia wood it's kind of like a gray yeah. bark i can imagine a lot of people at home doing a double take when you said you were building this entire thing out of birch <laughs> it's been like oh. what and then yeah wait a second yeah, you want a really fun, want a fun head turn. Uh, when I log into Vastin, having played on the Citadel and forgot to switch texture packs and I'm at the base <laughs> of the tree yeah. and it looks like a giant zebra. Like it's, oh, it's yeah. really quite funny. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, but it's it's been really fun and, and, and putting these shapes together, it's been a learning experience. Like just when you think like you've got your head wrapped around something, it's like, really? Is this going to look good as like a seven or eight block tall flat face mm -hmm. and you're like and when you back up and you look at it in context of the scale of the tree you're like actually you know what that looks okay yeah it, yeah it actually is a subtle curve at this stage right at this scale uh so it's been really fun uh to do that um off off the the realm of Aston, i've been doing a little bit of stuff uh on the citadel just kind of like mucking around mostly just playing for a couple hours here and there to make sure um that i had some feedback for 114.2 uh, leading into the news this week and um really it's it's just it's it's iffy um all the major bugs on the citadel seem to be fixed uh still some performance issues but 
um, I've just been puttering. So it's uh, it's been enjoyable because I haven't been streaming that kind of stuff because it's the kind of thing where like you kind of like walk into a build that's mostly done and you go, I could maybe even this out or I could tweak this. And it's the kind of thing where it's relaxing. Like you're not on stream. You're not attacking a big build. You're just kind of like, oh, hey, I forgot to, you know, balance out this this um, storage room design. Or, hey, now that I know that this is functioning correctly, it's just a little garbage shoot, but I should probably make it look good. And that's the kind of thing that only takes five minutes. And so I've been doing that on the Citadel. I've been bopping around and taking care of these teeny tiny little like five minute things mm -hmm. here and there. That's cool. Yeah, what about you? What's what's been going on on the survival guide? Uh, I've been doing a little bit of spring cleaning myself, that kind of stuff. But um, lately, I'm checking out some of the smaller but still significant quality of life changes and Easter eggs in Minecraft 1.14, starting with TNT. I did a bit of a an episode that I called a primer on TNT, which I thought was was a very funny pun. Um, we did that last Friday, and then I came back this week and built a TNT-powered tree farm that was completely my own design, just working from what I knew about stuff. And I didn't necessarily want to go with any of the more efficient designs because a lot of them require very precise redstone timing. And one of the things I'm aware of with the survival guide is that people are going to be jumping in, you know, a few episodes down the line and they're going to still be relatively new to the game. So if I say a bunch of stuff related to more sophisticated redstone, they're not instantly going to know what I mean if they haven't been watching the whole way along. So I try and right. simplify it for my own you know benefit as well because i'm still not the most experienced redstoner and i don't just want to copy somebody else's tutorial block for block because then i don't know what i'm really explaining um, right and i feel like it's kind of doing a disservice to the person who's made the tutorial in the first place so um yeah what i did was i i built just a piston feed tape pushing four logs of an oak tree into a box lined with obsidian drop two tnt on it from the side once it's wrapped around once so i think it destroys maybe uh like a stack and a half of blocks at a time um so it's not you know hugely beneficial to have <laughs> necessarily in terms of like the time investment and the amount of bone meal that goes into it but it is an automated tree farm and you do get all of the logs thanks to that new 100 percent drop rate for tnt which is nice. quite quite satisfying and means you don't have to do all of the uh the piston timing stuff that you did before where everything had to be moving at the exact right second to blow up the most of it and still have all of the drops Right, so it, it simplifies the um, the concept considerably. Yeah. You just have to get tree into X space, blow it up. Yeah, exactly. And, and as long as you've got a collection system, then you're going to get everything because TNT now drops 100%. It doesn't. It doesn't destroy. Does it destroy leaf blocks? Uh, it or does. Do they drop yeah. too. Yeah. Um, oh. I mean, it, it. I mean, it. It destroys leaf blocks to the extent that yeah, they they break like any other block would, and they still drop saplings and sticks and apples and that kind of thing. Ah, so okay, so they you don't get the leaf block, but you get the drops that they would normally yeah the, drop. Okay. The thing the thing you have to be very aware of is the timings of TNT. If you're dropping more than one block at once, then if the first one blows up slightly before the second one, then the second one could potentially be blowing up item entities that have been dropped by the first one. So right. you've still got those loose blocks that can still be damaged. Uh, but for the most part, it's it's working pretty well. Uh, then for tomorrow's episode, I actually got hold of a channeling trident, which is something that I swore myself off for a while after the charged creeper incident a little while ago. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to go and find uh, another mushroom island and create some brown mushrooms, which was something that I was kind of reminded was in the game. Um, from I can't remember if I was reading something on the Minecraft website or somebody just mentioned it to me on stream, but I was like, oh yeah, those are a thing that you can convert red mushrooms into brown mushrooms now with lightning. 
And so I thought, well, I have to get myself a charge, uh, like a channeling trident again. Uh, got myself one of those on the stream I did the other day. And so I've done an episode for tomorrow about brown mushrooms. I was kind of surprised to learn that, you know, the, the mechanic is that with brown mushrooms, if you feed them a flower, then you milk them and you get suspicious stew instead of just straight up mushroom stew, right? I was surprised to learn that you can't do that infinitely. So once you feed it a flower, I thought that was it. Turns out it's only the next stew it gives you is the suspicious stew, then it goes oh. back to being mushroom stew. So there was me thinking, I, I was going over there with like name tags for all of the different cows. I was going to set up like a little milking station where I could get <laughs> suspicious stew whenever I wanted. And it turns out that's not the case. It's just one for one, much like the suspicious stew crafting recipe itself. So it's not a workaround for like, you never have to craft suspicious stew yourself again. It's just a means of getting it one at a time. And obviously you can stand there with a, a flower in, in your offhand and, uh, you know, a wooden bowl in your main hand, and you can probably make a ton of suspicious stew right there in a kind of factory style, but you're still effectively crafting it yourself. It doesn't remove as much of the uh, the kind of player input as you you would expect right. it to. Hmm. I, it's funny that uh, all I can think about right now is is the 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 severe lack of uh, being able to make chocolate milk in Minecraft by giving cocoa <laughs> beans to to yes. a mushroom. It was so making, good and making a, a bucket of brown milk, which yeah, <laughs> which, which would have no no other effects other than just it would do the same thing the milk was. It's just it would be brown. It, yeah, um, just just give you like that extra chocolatey aftertaste. <laughs> yeah, right. I, the, for, that's the first thing that popped in my mind because I've not messed around with the suspicious twos, and I'm I know I'm sure that I've poo pooed them on the show. Yeah, and I've definitely given them a slam or two in the Spawn Chunks Discord. But um, something I wanted to bring up since you you brought up the suspicious twos is that um, you. Uh, Gently corrected me in in the Discord, saying that actually, depending on the situation and uh, the timing of using suspicious to stews in PvP, uh, they could be uh, they could be a really uh, heavy advantage, you know, in in that sort of situation. Which, of course, I don't PvP at all. Yeah, I can barely yeah. P I can barely PVE. So yes. that just went right over my head. Yeah, but in um, in terms of in situations where you don't have natural health regeneration turned on so i'm talking about in ultra hardcore tournaments where right. normally the only way you can heal your health bar is to either craft a golden apple which is relatively difficult to do from a standing start because you need to find eight gold ingots uh, right. or you go to the nether you risk getting fireballed by blazes you make a potion brewing stand and then you make potions of regeneration which require a ghast tier so there's a lot of risk reward involved and suspicious stew gives you i think five seconds of regeneration one so it's definitely not as much as a golden apple or a potion would do but it's mm. a bit of a game changer when all you need to do is find an oxide daisy two mushrooms and some wood so it it could potentially shift the tide in terms of, and change the meta for people who play uhc in particular for the average survival player i'll totally agree it's useless but it's mm, it's, it's fun yeah. as a, a diversion and in occasional loot chests you find them in shipwrecks now which makes total sense because the shipwreck is it's it's all flooded what you're going to do eat a bowl of stew that you found in a chest on a sunken ship probably not mm. uh, but with those when you find them as items in the world versus crafting them yourself you don't know what the effect's going to be and i believe that farmers will trade them on like the highest level of one of the newer 
uh, pharma professions in 114, they will trade you Suspicious Stew as their final trade. And with that, mm. the effect is kind of random as well. But some of the effects last a little bit longer than player-crafted Suspicious Stew, according to the wiki. So there are potentially some advantages, some disadvantages to, to Suspicious Stew in all of its many forms. It's just not the kind of thing that's going to really bother the average vanilla survival player who's just playing like a standard normal game of Minecraft. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it boils down to me the fact that I mean it's non-stackable, right? So I mean, like, yeah, non-stackable yeah. food, no thanks. I don't <laughs> exactly. care what it is. I yeah. don't care how good it is. Not, not happening. Yes, you're taking no, up one inventory slot where there could be sixty-four items. I think not, sir. I think not. Yeah, exactly. I'm not bringing a shulker box you know, of twenty-seven yeah. things. It's not even a full stack. Mm. You know, like that. Yeah, not, not at all. Uh, I. Yeah, I don't know. I I've been looking for different ways. I mean, I've been eating roasted chicken in the game forever. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and every once in a while, I'll end up with a stack of steak because I have to make leather. So I end up having the steak on me. I might as well cook it and have it around. Um, but I I didn't realize. I heard the other day, and it's for the simple fact that I've never bothered to look it up because chicken is automatic, and I have a ton of it. Uh, and uh, I didn't realize that golden carrots were, I think, the best a stackable food source in the game they're best in terms of saturation which is that hidden value that stops you from getting hungry again for longer um, right so i think they have something like 12.6 saturation points where the average steak i think only has about seven or eight so yeah in theory steak is refilling more of your hunger bar but right. golden carrots restore more of the saturation thing which means that you don't have to eat them as frequently Right, so like it, 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 the golden carrot is what you eat when you are about to top up your hunger bar. So yeah, that it will keep. Yeah, and then the steak is like when your hunger bar is at three, the steak is the best thing to eat at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's okay. about right. Interesting. Well, we should probably move on into the news. Uh, how do you want to tackle this? I'll take the first two. You take the other two. Uh, yeah, and I th I think maybe we'll start off with. Um, yeah, let's let's start at the beginning. Uh, I I wanted to <laughs> wanted to bring this to the table. Minecraft is now the best-selling game of all time, according to a Wikipedia article that tracks the top-selling games. So these statistics aren't necessarily 100% accurate. It rounds it up to the nearest million copies sold in most cases. But previously, this record has been held by Tetris. Tetris has so many different forms of games, some of which originally like shipped with a console, I think. Um, mm -hmm. so, so naturally, having been invented years and years ago, I think Tetris dates back to like the 70s, um, it it basically was the best-selling game of all time by virtue of just how many forms it was available and the fact that it has this evergreen kind of gameplay style. But as of about the, the day of its anniversary, actually, the 10th anniversary of Minecraft, Minecraft has now surpassed Tetris by about 6 million copies, being a total of 176 million copies sold. Of course, that's not just Java Minecraft. That's that's bedrock in all of its many forms. It's the Education Edition. It's Raspberry Pi Edition, <laughs> I think. And like, yeah, basically all of the sales of Minecraft across all the different platforms on which it is available totals 176 million. And that's crazy to me. That That is an mm -hmm. absurdly large number. And like, bear in mind that each of those is not just going to be one world. That's going to be people with... Like, I personally have probably five or six different worlds saved on my hard drive, not to mention the worlds that I'd started on Xbox beforehand. There must be somewhere in the, you know, thousands of millions of 
Minecraft worlds have been created at this point. But uh, yeah, congrats, Minecraft, on being the best-selling game of all time. It is, as always, a pleasure to be doing a podcast about the uh, the best-selling game of all time now. And I think when you when you hit that ten-year mark, I mean, like not 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 saying that I'm surprised at all that Minecraft uh, has has you know surpassed Tetris. Um, I was surprised Minecraft wasn't already the most yeah successful game like i just having been around for 10 years and knowing just how you know saturated you know uh, video game culture is and how minecraft if people don't play it they at least know what it is yeah right and i'm so i was surprised that it actually took this long and Um, it's funny looking at the rest of that list as well because some of the titles that are on there you sort of wouldn't expect to show up quite so high i mean gta 5 is the third and that's the yeah that that's shipped 110 million copies uh, and then you have Wii Sports which i think is only there by virtue of the fact that it shipped with the Wii console to begin with right. so anybody who bought a Wii also has Wii Sports basically yeah. um but after well, the, Tetris after that, came with my Game Boy i'm pretty yes, sure I'm yeah pretty i think sure that was yeah i think with mine as well um aside from that the fifth entry in here is player unknown's battlegrounds so another very recent game but that in terms of its sales has dropped to 50 million which is still a huge amount but compared to minecraft having 176 million there's a huge disparity in those top oh my five gosh yeah it's more it's more than three times almost four times as much yeah yeah which is crazy to me and yeah my- minecraft just having such a universal appeal i think and having had such a dedicated community from the beginning modded minecraft being such a big scene and then all of the different mm. mini games and stuff that keep everybody satisfied no matter what your play style is there is something for you in the community of minecraft it's it's fascinating and uh so we should should probably move on to the latest uh additions to minecraft that being the pre-releases for 1.14.2 and then mere minutes before we started recording this podcast the full release of minecraft 1.14.2 so this was a long-awaited thing of course uh starting with pre-release 3 which was released on may 22nd fixed uh for the second time light sources spontaneously not working in some chunks and a couple of other minor bugs at the time sliced lime commented that 1.14.2 would not be the last 114 release they're focusing on releasing fixes for the most critical bugs first working on fixing some more things but with more code changes come more uncertainty and right now it's more important to them to make sure they can release a stable 114.2 with the most critical fixes which makes perfect sense as far as i'm concerned and we'll get into exactly what those other fixes are in just a second uh pre-release 4 came about last friday on may 24th and now every time basically as a um as a fix for those light sources in worlds that had previously been affected by the bug i think all light is now recalculated the first time you open a world that was saved in the previous version so anybody updating to minecraft 114.2 it's going to take a second or two extra to load because it's recalculating what all of the light sources should be emitting and then after that you shouldn't see the problem Uh, After that, there was also um, a a bug fix for entities clipping through blocks after traveling through an end gateway. And you can imagine uh, the amount of people trying to move villagers out to the end islands, you know, shuttling them into end gateways in minecarts or something like that, only to find that they just dropped through the world and suffocated afterwards. Mm. Must have been quite... 
quite frustrating. I did see, by the way, sidebar here, uh, somebody on the Minecraft Reddit posted a picture of where they'd moved some villagers successfully out to the Outer End Islands, and then they'd gone out there with Bad Omen, and a raid still happens. So, <laughs> no, really? no villagers are safe. But that would be a fascinating thing to try out, is to, to actually set up a village out in the Outer End and still get raided by pillagers out there. I can imagine them all just, like, dropping off the into the void like lemmings after a while. <laughs> Yeah. Uh 114.2 came out today, May yes. 27th, uh and uh the the from uh, Adrian Ostergaard on the blog post it says today we are releasing 114.2, a release that addresses a few issues left from 114.1. We wanted to release these fixes as soon as possible as they had a big impact on gameplay, but we do also have a bunch of less critical bug fixes releasing soon in the upcoming 114.3. Stay tuned. So true to form of what they said earlier uh in the week uh or i guess last week uh they're moving on and and taking care of some of these bugs uh as before light will be recalculated the first time you open a world saved in a previous version and an increased search radius for bell when starting a raid from 48 blocks to 64 blocks uh is also a noted increase uh, or no sorry a noted uh, feature change um the rest of the bugs and stuff um they're all pretty standard i, I think we've heard a lot of these in a different uh, different avenues but uh, i think uh, a few worth noting and there are much more so go check out the uh, the minecraft.net post which we will have linked in the show notes uh but the uh, bug fixes that i wrote down here are being stuck in doorways and fence gates this happened on the citadel i had to log in and save my uh maccast from a door he was stuck in it he couldn't Doors, do anything the new predators yep. of minecraft yep. he couldn't do anything and uh i had to chop the door down and to get him out of it and that worked um the uh, the alternative was like you know me putting a chest down near him so that he could put all of his stuff in it and killing him that was the only two <laughs> yeah. things we could think of it's uh, a, it happened. a mercy kill he was stuck in a door yeah. there was nothing i could do Something similar happened to me where i was ender pearling around in the nether and i got stuck in a wall and i could not turn my character like i couldn't yeah. i couldn't do anything it's, it's constantly so had, like trying to reset your position and the view is just yeah bobbing. yeah so i had to mine out like a three or four high space in the wall or treacherously close to lava and mm -hmm. then i had another ender pearl on me so i was able to shoot it uh into that crevice and get myself free but had i not been able to do that it would have been the same situation it would have been on discord being like hey can someone come mine out the blocks <laughs> around me because yeah. i'm stuck yeah uh and there's nothing i could do um, light sources spontaneously not working in some chunks have been fixed. Ghost end crystals stay behind after the destruction of the ender dragon, uh, respawns. That would be crazy. I would hate for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, animals, villagers, item frames, armor stands, etc., are disappearing. That hey, has also been fixed. That's, that's the, big, the big one. <laughs> and then another big one is observers don't update redstone properly. That yes. was causing a lot of lag for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have booted up 114.2 in my test world. I have not updated the Citadel and played on it yet. Obviously, it just came out before the show. Uh, but in flying around uh, as quick as possible and creative in that test world, uh, things were loading pretty fast. Yeah. Like no, no different than any new world that you've just spawned into and you have to walk around and like load chunks and stuff like that so it's it felt pretty seamless things were um updating in the order that you would expect them to be updating in um i didn't notice any kind of frame rate stuff but of course i mean i'm not near any redstone builds it was an empty world i was just flying around um something that i do want to note though that is a change and it was not noted uh but it has remained consistent since pre-release three 
through 114.2 officially released today, which is the main thing I wanted to check. And that is that uh, your nether portals are now consistent with where you're facing. So if you enter a portal facing west, you will exit the portal in the nether also facing west. Mm -hmm. Previously, this was consistently the reverse. Yeah. If, you ended, if you entered facing west, you would pop out facing east in the nether. So not great, but once you're used to it, it's fine. The problems would arise and, and later on when you'd have your nether portal in the overworld would maybe face either north or south. But in the end, or in, in the nether, it would face east or west. And then it was a crapshoot as to which way you would come out. And it would not be predictable. In one situation, you would come out facing one way. And in another situation, when you've built the nether portal uh, in a different zone in the nether or something like that for a different set of portals, you would come out facing the other. And it was just, it was very, very hard to predict. Now, not only is it consistent um, in, in those directions, it's consistent down to the 90 degree angles to which way you're facing. Mm -hmm. So if you're facing north, and you enter into a portal and the portal in the nether is faced the wrong way, like it's faced 90 degrees the other way, you come out facing sideways. Yeah, so you'll sure. come out facing the side of that portal. Yeah. And so everyone and, can learn to sidestep into portals if they need yeah, to get around. If they need to. But what I like, I love this because I, I really like shaping the player experience when I build stuff. And mm -hmm. so when I enter a portal, I want to come out facing either the direction that I was intended or at least have control over that. And now I can. Now, there are problems with like, say, my friend Alistair on, on our server. He's got his, uh, he built like a, uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the sci-fi show. Uh, sci-fi portals, um, Egyptian stuff. Stargate. 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 He's built, he's going to hate me for that. Um, <laughs> he's built Stargates and he's built his entire overworld base around you arrive at the stargate coming into his town like a certain direction uh -huh. and now it's it's not the right way <laughs> yeah yeah uh, it's reversed or something yeah now thankfully his room in the nether is still nether rack like it's really nothing too crazy so moving him in the nether is going to be the easiest solution but the fact that he does have to change things is is a bit of a, a, a kind of a, a grind i guess mm -hmm. um, but i would much i much prefer it this way uh and if it stays predictable and i can control it in the future i'm all for it see there's um, a there's a psychological element to it for me because so often when i enter a nether portal because my nether portals are so often built against walls and i don't have anything on the other side of them i mm -hmm. instinctively turn around to look at the open room that i've just come from and so I think maybe previously it had spawned me facing the way I was traveling when I entered the portal. But then I turn around instinctively to look at something other than a flat wall. And then I was going the, the right direction anyway. So maybe I didn't notice it quite as much. But I'll have to, mm -hmm. I'll have to do that with some of the portals that I've got built. Uh, what I plan on doing with my nether hub is to build a giant compass rose in the bottom of it so that I can see which way north is just by looking anyway, because I'm terrible with directions. I forget that kind of stuff very easily. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's just kind of interesting to me to, to know that that's, that's sort of what I've done, historically speaking. So I might have been facing the right direction but only because I turned around and faced the other way when I went into the portal in the first place. When you, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I and I, we've got the same thing. I now have to unlearn uh, facing a certain direction for our main portal, like the main Nether Hub entrance. Uh, you used to have to enter it, um, not so much from the Overworld. The Overworld was always fine because that's the same idea. It's like up against a rock. Mm -hmm. um, but you would always come out facing east, and now you come out facing west. But when you enter the portal now, uh, if you enter it facing east you arrive facing the wall yeah 
And then you're in the wall in the wobbly of portal effect. And you're like, where, how do I get, <laughs> yeah. and you can't see. And so it's, it's tricky that way. Like you really have to, um, now I have to memorize like, oh no, I can, I have to enter it from the West now, not facing West. So yeah. it's, a, it's a little bit tricky, but I mean, once you realize that if you're, if you know that the nether portal in the meadows faces East and you have to then, you know, face East when you enter it, that makes a lot more sense. Than having to remember some other stuff and i've we've got a number of people on the server that have complained about not being able to work their way around the nether getting confused and lost and i mean i think having those kind of things being consistent i think is is good um our nether portal on your direction kind of comment is our nether hub rather is color-coded so we know that the the desert is west so the tunnel west is all sandstone mm -hmm. you know we know that our um, true to form, our our snowy and ice biomes are north. So the north tunnel is all white and quartz and blue and stuff. Yeah. So we've we've got those kind of north, south, east, west kind of all color coded in a way, mm -hmm. um, which is which is nice. I find that that kind of stuff helps. Uh, I, I'm excited. I've been watching some of your streams with the with the the giant nether hub that you're building. Having like a compass rose in the floor would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually um, it's kind of a. a... A, an idea that I borrowed from the post office on the Magicraft server, which was way back in the day. This is back when I first met a bunch of the people who I now play with regularly. And yeah, somebody on the Magicraft server, I forget exactly who, built a post office that just had a giant compass thing in the floor underneath the glass floor. And I thought that would be perfect for my nether hub. And I'm going to do some like dioramas of different biomes around the outside. And I think it's going to look really good when it's done. Uh, but mm. that's it's a lot of grind work. And right now I'm just placing a load of slabs on the floor so I don't have pigmen in the way while I'm doing everything. And then after oh, that, yeah. after that, I can I can you know figure out the details here and there. But since mm -hmm. we, we've we've talked about this on the on the show before, the fact that pigmen spawn in any light level because they have to be able to spawn next to lava lakes and stuff in the Nether. So uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit frustrating getting rid of all of them and. Part of the nether hub is also bisected by a fortress. So even if I swapped out the blocks for different blocks, you could still potentially get wither skeletons and blazes spawning there. So I have to get rid of all of that as well. And that's that's a process because you can't mine nether brick as fast as you can mine nether rack. So it's 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 taking a while, but it's gonna be great when it's done. Another quick hit on the news is that Optifine is in pre-releases uh, for 1.14. They have not done any pre-releases for 1.14, uh, etc. yet. Uh, they're still not on that. I think the latest one was like a 1.14 pre-release 5 for, yeah. uh, for uh, Optifine. We'll have a link to Optifine.net in the show notes as well. Um, I'm actually kind of glad that they haven't gone as far because I'm imagining now that 114.2 is out, they're probably going to roll straight to 114.2. Yeah, I, I believe that was the plan. I believe the developer has stated they were just going to go straight to .2 because it was so clear that that was needed and that it was going to come out yeah, relatively quickly. Come out really fast, yeah. yeah, so yeah. I, I did I did actually take a backup of my survival guide world and roll it back to 114 just so I could use Optifine in the world and fly around like looking looking at stuff with shaders. I took a couple of glamour shots of the junk boat that I've been building just because I wanted mm. to see what that looked like in shaders and everything. But uh, yeah, the if you roll back to 114, Optifine does not fix the uh, chunk rendering issues that 114 had in its original right. release. So you don't really get that much of a performance boost from it. 
but I'm really looking forward to optifying for 114.2 and beyond because yeah there are definitely some some performance issues and some world loading things that it would be nice to have a little bit of a smoother experience but absolutely uh, yeah as, as yeah. far as we can tell all of the optifying features that were in previous releases have been able to be ported to this version it's not like changing the rendering engine has removed some of optifine's functionality they're still right. trying to get all the the same old things working for the new version yeah and I, I mean i know that i've been struggling with performance issues it's the only thing that i have to say negative about pre-release for um, mainly because I haven't been messing around with villages. I've seen other things that are wrong with with pre-release four for one fourteen point two, but the the one thing that I was experiencing myself firsthand was a lot of like rubber banding and and yeah. player tracking problems. And I mean like ginormous. Like I would I I remember going into a building, turning around and talking to my stream, and then a second later I was no longer in the building. Like yeah. I was thirty blocks away, <laughs> back to where I was not a few minutes ago or a few seconds ago, and it's like it's a, it's a that's a food. huge that's a huge clip. Yeah, like it's not it's not a couple of blocks. We were talking like I had enough time to say a sentence, and then I got like then I'm repeating myself, going and I'm no longer inside. What yeah. <laughs> what just happened? It's it's um, been so a pr it's been a problem on my patron server as well. A lot of people have been yeah. saying they've had lots of lag issues, and there are some people who who play pretty regularly on there and when you get large groups of people together the lag just kind of multiplies and it's a real yep. shame right now but there's not a huge amount you can do about it beyond mm -hmm. just seriously upgrading your server hardware <laughs> all right uh last thing we got to cover in the news is actually kind of a big one so we saved it for the end here uh mojang ho held a creator summit uh their third creator summit i believe it may even have been the fourth but uh, looking at some of the people saying it was the third time that they had been. Uh, prominent YouTubers and Marketplace partners were invited and got to meet with the devs, got previews of upcoming content, and learned about the development of the game and future Minecraft experiences. What the rest of us got was some vague but encouraging tweets, uh, some group photos of the devs and some YouTubers you might recognize, and that was about it. Until a little bit later when some of the you know, influencers, the YouTubers who were there, and various other people started posting some stuff on Twitter that they were allowed to talk about, presumably. Uh, and yeah, they, they, I imagine Mojang is still keeping some very closely guarded secrets here and there, but there are some interesting hints at future experiences coming up. I was surprised. Uh, I know that, I mean, you kind of make a little joke about it, but some of the stuff that they're talking about is the kind of stuff that you'd expect to hear from Mojang, not from people that go to yeah. visit Moe. You know my, what I mean? Like, my thoughts exactly. I really wish the Creator Summit had taken place the same weekend as the 10th anniversary instead of the weekend after because the 10th anniversary seemed really anticlimactic and hearing some of the news out of this Creator Summit, I'm like, why didn't they tell us this a week ago? Because that would have been really cool to hear instead of we've changed the name of Minecon Earth to Minecon Live. Uh, like, look at DocM77's Twitter today and scroll back through some of the stuff he's mentioned, and there's quite an interesting list of features. Um, for a start, he's mentioned Minecraft Earth is very good, according to a lot of the people who were there, actually, had some very positive yeah. things to say about Minecraft Earth. Beyond, like, this isn't just a Pokemon Go thing, this is actually Minecraft redefining the AR game genre in the same way that they redefined the sandbox genre ten years ago. Like, there's actually some really interesting stuff you can do with it. There's redstone that you can put out in your world. You can make a quarry in your backyard. There's all this kind of stuff that obviously sounds kind of, you know, far-fetched and hyperbolic to us because we haven't experienced it. But if people have had hands-on experience with how Minecraft Earth works, I am hoping that it is going to be something pretty big. 
Yeah, uh, they seem to be pretty balanced opinions too. The stuff that yeah. I've seen is not like they're not like this is amazing. It's like no, this was really fun. Now and, I think some people might have gone in with slightly lower expectations, and mm-hmm. not that they would do that on purpose. Just the simple fact of like you know, mobile games are not always as good as you know your desktop experience and if sure. you're a desktop gamer and not a mobile gamer you're probably going to be like well i'll give it a shot but i'm not really expecting this to blow my socks off yeah All and then the- people are coming back saying like well socks firmly yeah. removed you know? <laughs> yes yeah exactly and uh yeah there, there are some interesting things coming out about that and like it's important to note as well that none of the, while they've obviously been invited to the summit none of the creators there have been paid to shill for moyang at this point like they are right. they are honest people who are kind of giving their opinions online and a lot of them i think were there because they are known for being quite frank about their views and and telling it like it is so it's very good to see some positive things coming from them and just a little bit of a little bit of hype being generated a week mm. after the 10th anniversary <laughs> still weird to me if if i'm going to be devil's advocate on that though like I've seen some of the vlogs and I've seen some of the photos and stuff like that. And when Mo Yang invites you to a summit, when you go to carnivals and have meals with friends and play games and, you know, have all this stuff, you know, parties catered by Mo Yang, the chances of you saying anything negative are probably <laughs> pretty slim. You've been busted you know, up like, a little bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Thanks for the invite, guys. You suck. You know, like, I mean, I don't expect that. That's <laughs> sure, an extreme sure. example. But like, I do sort of feel like some of the same people that were slamming 114 not a week and a half ago yeah you know are now changing their tune yeah and it's it's positive like i'm not i'm not at all slamming the 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 idea of progress i mean yeah. the idea that mo yang is aware that 114 has its major problems and there are now they can't talk about them but there are now safeguards in place to say like no this is not mm-hmm. happening again yeah. we cannot do that again that's awesome that's great to hear it would have held a lot more weight if that was a statement from Mo Yang. Yeah. You know, because the official blog posts are like, we've got a few issues in this update. And <laughs> yeah. our response is always, you think? Yeah, it's you kind know, of where it, understated a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Whereas if they have said like, hey, we know that this is a problem. We are working on fixing it. We are very, you know, we're confident that the next, you know, point, whatever, point two, point three is going to fix this kind of stuff. And we are putting uh catch all and 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 safeguards in place to avoid this in the future that's all they had to do yeah they, and it they... just fe- it feels weird coming from you know it's i'm glad i have the information yeah i'm glad that these these influencers have received the information but like where's the pr person at moyang the, the, not the doing count, that the counter argument i have for that is that moyang is increasingly while they try and be as transparent as possible they're owned by microsoft now people online mm. have a tendency to treat them as a big faceless corporation and so maybe people are more likely to trust this kind of information coming from their favorite youtube icon than they Good are point. from some faceless pr person at moyang and obviously like like i said the people at moyang are be- being very transparent a lot of them i call them faceless they're not they have their faces out there online they're, they're, they're very upfront course, yeah. about mm-hmm. representing it personally as well as professionally uh, but I think maybe if Doc M tells it to you straight and says, look, they're on top of things, people are going to be more reassured by that than somebody writing a blog post saying, hey, guys, we're on top of things. And everyone goes, but you're not, though. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, ki- I kind of wonder if that's the that's the angle there. Not not to be too cynical about it and say, like, that's their strategy. No. But I think but it might, might have yeah. a, a positive impact there. 
but that's the kind of thing where you you arrange like you said precisely like you said you arrange the creator summit to be the same weekend as the 10th anniversary mm -hmm. and you line up these announcements like what there was one something about a crazy mud pig or something yes like yeah you you line this kind of stuff up and then you either have an interview or have a reveal or have it happen with like invite one of these you know influencers to be a part of that conversation and a part of that reveal if you if you want to have more um not public clout but like you know if you if you want if you want the the corp faceless corporate corporation to fade into the background then similar to like when they had like hermitcraft folks in in the minecon panel right mm -hmm. like that yeah that those are people talking about the game and talking about the updates that you know and you watch and you are fans of and you know are not going to be not going to they're not going to fake anything right yeah yeah and, and i think if you incorporate those into the release then I, you know a little bit better I, like i said it feels like well this is all like this is all information that mo yang would have known a week ago mm-hmm yeah, I think right. so. I think so. And and in terms of the stuff being confirmed for Minecraft Earth, you mentioned muddy pigs. They are mm -hmm. actually a new mob, uh, which is kind of a fun thing considering that they were in the Minecon Earth, uh, the Minecon Earth, the Minecraft Earth. See, I told you we were going to make that mistake. <laughs> yeah. um, so yep. they, they were in the Minecraft Earth trailer, uh, but people were just like, well, it's just a pig, right? But muddy pigs... That that's actually what they are. That that's a, a separate a new thing. thing from a new thing a pig. And uh, not to bring it back to Pokemon Go again, but it kind of makes sense for them to introduce a few variants on things so that you don't just be like, uh, I've got one yeah. pig and then that's it, right? That's it. So right. yeah, so if you're collecting stuff from the environment, it makes sense that they iterate on these things a little bit more and provide more things mm -hmm. for you to go further afield to find. Likewise, uh, Doc M said that there were yellow mushrooms that have like dandelion flowers instead of mushrooms on their backs. And there might be a couple of other things like that, which are potentially going to be exclusive to the app. They're not necessarily going to turn up in core Minecraft. And while right. that might be disappointing to some people, I feel like if they don't add anything to the experience, if they are just an aesthetic change, Mojang isn't necessarily interested in adding that stuff to the core Minecraft experience, unless it's got something that will really affect gameplay in some way. Um, right. Aside from that, just just going through the stuff on Doc M's Twitter, because I've been to a couple of other people's things and Doc has, has really kind of laid it out for us. Uh, there is potentially a new skin system coming for Bedrock Edition with more options for player-led customization. So he mentioned this, I think it was called Minecraft Persona or something like that. And effectively, it will allow you to modify the body type of your player a little bit more. You can make the arms wider or thinner and, and kind of, you know, include accessories and stuff like that because the bedrock edition of the game has always had a a better range of block not not block models but player character models that actually have you know animation that's relevant to what they are like you can get a skin that's a dolphin and instead of like it being a transparency on the skin and the dolphin's legs kind of like <laughs> walking around like human legs the dolphin actually flips like it's you know in in the you know, fla oh, flapping see. around in the ocean Right. And, and so there's actual kind of modeling and animation there that is not present in Java Edition Minecraft because all player models have to be the same, give or take Alex versus Steve, you know, skins mm -hmm. to, to put them on. So potentially, yeah, uh, Bedrock Edition could be getting more of that. No plans for that in Java Edition as far as we can tell, but I imagine that's another thing where they have the framework to do that kind of stuff in Bedrock Edition already, whereas incorporating mm -hmm. those kind of models in Java introduces performance issues that they probably want to avoid at this point. I just want knees. <laughs> <laughs> just just give me knees. 
Um, <laughs> aside from that, uh, Doc said that combat is definitely getting a revision. He spoke to Jeb personally about this, and he said that he was Jeb was kind of like masterminding the revision to combat uh, with a view to making it more acceptable to the PvP community who stuck around with Minecraft 1.8. So potentially, uh, the rumors may be true that 1.15 is going to have some kind of update to combat, bringing with it the functionality for fletching and smithing tables, and potentially we'll be seeing some more variations on that. So more to come, presumably, but no further word on exactly what shape that takes. And aside from that, there are a couple of smaller announcements like uh, improvements to Minecraft Realms, uh, being able to have bigger and better servers on that for a flat rate and with consistently updated content coming in from the Minecraft marketplace as well. And a lot of the people who were invited to the Creator Summit were also marketplace partners. So presumably there's some other partnerships going on in the works there that you know we're not necessarily privy to, but they, they might be producing bigger and better things for the marketplace in the near future. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it all sounds positive. It's 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 good to hear between major release like one fourteen and Minecon live, yeah, uh, that we're getting some more information being disseminated into the community. Um, I particularly thought that Doc's uh, note about multiple discords being available for different groups within the Minecraft community yes. to then provide feedback for for mohang uh as a point like like he was saying like he was talking about the tech community specifically so yeah. that's what i'll focus on but he's like you know they're like if you organize and if you get your you know your information in a nice you know comprehensive you know format then we will absolutely hear you out and let's talk about this kind of stuff here's here's your open channel like here is your kind of like direct line rather than tweeting right and hoping yeah. that that a, that a dev will see it right um, which I think is fantastic. And, but Doc also pointed out like, that's not just the tech community. That's like, there's going to be the, the, um, marketplace community. There's, you know, um, server people, like there's all this kind of stuff where people are going to have, you know, a, a direct line. Like, for example, I don't know whether this would fall under tech or not. Uh, but like for people like, uh, someone like Exumavoid or myself or you running a Patreon server or running a major server, you know, that's, that's, um, a lot of content creators are depending on when you run into tech issues, it would be very cool to have, you know, a specific, you know, kind of discord to be able to provide feedback so that those kind of things don't happen in the future because everybody wins, right? Yeah. You end up with a smoother running version of Minecraft. The people playing it are happier and, you know, there's less of a headache for the developers if they can catch that kind of stuff ahead of time. Yeah. And, you know, a, lo and a lot of the um, the Minecraft modding community, especially, there's like this community right. of coders out there who are very talented at what they do. And if you look at just things like the improvements that the, the Optifine dev has made to player experience. And there's obviously like a, a history about why Optifine was never kind of fully integrated into Minecraft as a vanilla thing. Um, but if you get people like that providing feedback to the Mojang devs and potentially kind of showing them ways in which they, they, can, they can share their own code and with Minecraft becoming more open source as well, there is more chance for that to become a two-way street. And that's yeah. very promising for the future of the game, especially if they plan on continuing it for another 10 years and beyond to have that amount of community input. For a start, it's unprecedented, but also it's it's super like super exciting to to hear that as well. Mm -hmm. Well, we should probably move on into chunk mail. Uh, and speaking of PvP, we actually have a question directly related to that kind of stuff. Uh, our first email comes from Ethan. 
uh, and he is 12 and he has played Minecraft for five years. So already he is a longer Minecraft player than I am. <laughs> yeah, same here, I think, actually. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, he started off on Xbox 360 and then on to Xbox One S. And now I am starting to play on PC, he says. I have downloaded the Java demo, good man, uh, and I am planning <laughs> on buying the full version as I am taking a course to learn how to code and mod inside of Java. This is fantastic. I struggle with this now, and I'm 40. I'm not 12. Mm -hmm. um, such such cool news, Ethan. Uh, are there any mods you could suggest? Also, I am a huge fan of PvP. Are there any servers that you would recommend? Um, well, my response to the PvP thing is pretty pretty short, so I'm going to let Johnny handle most of that. Uh, I can't really recommend any PvP servers because it's not my thing. Um, what I would do, though, uh, in my little experience, I know that I've heard Etho and Vintage Beef on YouTube talk about their PvP experiences, and if those appeal to you, that might be a good place to start. Uh, alternatively, maybe some of our Spawn Chunk listeners cause, could email the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com and let us know your favorite PvP places. Uh, age appropriate for someone like Ethan, who's 12. Yeah, uh, there are public minigame servers out there like Hypixel and Mineplex, uh, some of which actually even have Bedrock Edition servers now that are available from like the, the Bedrock Edition menu screen. Like They are marketplace partners as well, um, but they are good sources of PvP. They have some uh, paintball or quake style game modes sometimes like the mini games tend to rotate in and out depending on like they've, they've usually got some new stuff they want to show you uh, but for people who aren't a fan of minecraft's vanilla combat style especially those mini games get very very fun uh, i've played a, a fair amount of them in the distant past it's not really my jam anymore but it's it's fun to to hop in there and play a few rounds um, also i believe some of those servers even have their own dedicated uh, uhc tournament sort of series where they they can you can actually hop into a uhc world wait around in a lobby for uh, a matchup and and actually get playing with other people just with straight up vanilla minecraft combat no natural health regeneration some of the stuff we were talking about earlier in the show when we mentioned suspicious stew so uh, it's uh, it's fun and those servers are compatible as far back as minecraft 1.8 i think they still use minecraft 1.8's combat but there are some compatibility plugins that let you log in with newer versions but you won't see the same type of combat style it's it's weird i'm not entirely sure how that stuff works but public servers are a good place to start you probably won't find any you know proper pvp servers that are necessarily accepting all comers right away or have, have such a good reputation as hypixel and mindplex so right. i recommend those to get get yourself started yeah, I also want to make sure that you check with your folks first before you start joining any mm -hmm. public yeah. Minecraft servers, just because the content and language in there might not be appropriate. Mm -hmm. uh, for mods, uh, I would actually look at writing a data pack first. They're much smaller, uh, so you can hit the finish line a lot sooner. Uh, it might be a nice stepping stone between writing mod stuff and just writing small data packs. They're also accessible to everyone, so you don't have to depend on someone running like 1.12 and Forge to play your mod or play with or, or run your mod you can run uh data packs on anything 113 or higher if i'm not mistaken yeah yeah i believe that's uh the first one where the data pack format was really established there were functions before that and there was commands before that but really with data packs it's become a lot more open and it's about changing the feel of the game and and different kind of functionality being combined into everything it's it's definitely been the best time, I think, to start on a project like like modifying the experience, like mm -hmm. in t in terms of yeah, ma making making effectively 
you know, like a mod API style thing where you have access to all of that stuff, but it's hard written into Minecraft. Data packs are, are a good place to begin. It's also worth just considering what kind of mods you want to make because there are so many things out there. There are things that change content. There are things that, you know, data packs can just change crafting recipes and that kind of stuff. So that stuff is nice and simple to start out with. But there are huge mods for magic stuff, for technical things, for builders. There's a huge variety of aspects of Minecraft you can change. So in terms of what we would suggest, I think just look for mods that are kind of closest to your own interests, the kind of stuff you want to see in Minecraft, and 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 take a look at some of the, the classics of those. If you're into magic, take a look at Thorncraft. If you're into technical things, take a look at um, Industrial Craft 2 or Thermal Expansion or any of those individual mods like that. And yeah, the sky's the limit. Eventually you will, uh, you'll find yourself, if you stick with it, being able to code some really exciting stuff. Yeah, and and I know from talking with uh, Chuck Chuck, who I've I've had some DMs with back and forth about his his uh, data pack uh, tables and chairs. It's I think it's called custom model data. There's there's a new. It's like the new uh, MBT tag. Mm -hmm. Like there's there's now a, a tag that exists in one point thirteen and above uh, that makes data pack and modding like way more accessible and it's it's like it's almost it like it gives you infinite options that you don't you're not as limited um you just have to like choose an arbitrary number to assign to this value uh, and that can be anything and so i asked him one time because the, the number was really large it was like six or eight digits long and i was like so why is this like what is the 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 functionality of this number he's like oh it's just that large and that random to try and not conflict with other data packs, uh -huh, right? Yeah. The chances of someone else picking the exact same eight digit number that I have to represent this particular function, you know, is, is nil. So, so in data packs, you've got this, this cool range of stuff that you can do. Uh, I would suggest taking a look at vanillatweaks.net uh, or look up Waddles on YouTube, W-A-T-T-L-E-S. Um, Waddles does some short showcase videos where he talks about uh, d different data packs that do different things. And he always links to the data pack creators. So you can go and take a look at, at what they're doing too. Solid recommendation. I second that. Wattles is a is a good guy. Um, moving on to the next email, we figured we'd do a couple of chunk mails today because we didn't have a guest for the roundtable, so we are short one discussion. So maybe this one can fill in. This comes in from Dan, who says, Hey, Joel and Pix, something Azumavoid mentioned in his Hermitcraft video a few days ago got me thinking. He had found a pillager outpost and made a rudimentary XP and crossbow farm out of it. Now that the pillager outpost is in the game, officially, what do you think of hostile mob farms that use buildings instead of spawner cages? It seems like that's the way Minecraft seems to be going, with wither skeletons, shulkers, guardians, and now pillagers being tied to certain structures. Is this something you'd like to see Minecraft do more, and if so, what ideas would you like to see? Thanks for the great show, keep up the good content. Dan. Thank you, Dan. Great, great, great email. <laughs> I hadn't even thought about this being a thing, but... Yeah, the, the spawner cage seems to be going the way of the dinosaur. Yeah, and I'm all for it. Like, I, mm -hmm. I kind of like the idea. I mean, I still like the idea of discovering something like a dungeon, you know, in a cave. I like the idea of the those cave spider spawners in mine shafts, you know, and sometimes you end up with a skeleton spawner too. Like, I like that. I don't want those to go away. Uh, what I think would be cool, though, is if you, if you wanted to implement those on the surface, right? So for the people that either don't like caving or find caving boring or scary or hard, having a very clear kind of uh, uh, location on the surface, like you see the pillager outposts and you can either decide 
excitedly awesome i'm gonna go fight some pillagers or nope <laughs> not for me i'm mm -hmm. going the other way uh and if you had something like say a skeleton tower where inside there is a skeleton spawner or it's just a zone a location that spawns more skeletons than anything else you know anywhere else on the surface mm -hmm. then that would be really cool because then you know the kind of mob you're going to be up against by the shape of the building you know whether it's a tower or whatever and you could decide to either completely um, strip mine it and turn it into a skeleton farm. You know, the, the hardcore people could do that. You could, you know, fight it and conquer it and call it a little victory and then either disable it or recreate it or improve upon it, take inspiration from it create your own like there's all kinds of cool stuff that could happen with with things like that and it gives it a purpose it's not just a random you know um random thing that happens in the world and i think it would be a step up from um jungle jungle temples and desert temples mm -hmm. you know like those are like really fun tricky things for like brand new players but then you've got like a brand new player going up against a pillager outpost i've seen the fights on youtube it's not child's play yeah, like yeah. It's, it's, yeah it's a decent challenge right so i think having that level of like you know uh something for spiders skeletons creepers oh gosh <laughs> yeah <laughs> can you imagine some sort of creeper uh, sanctuary or if creepers yeah spawned more commonly around jungle temples or something like that yeah something like a, or a creeper cat tree you know mm -hmm. like like because they, they're scared of cats like those little cat jungle gyms i don't know i'm yeah. being a little <laughs> silly now so what do you think like what what would you like to see you know in terms of like a uh, mob what what is it like mob um building structure. mob structures yeah, yeah. um it, it's it's interesting really because i think each of these comes with basically a new mob that's been added in the new update i don't think retrofitting any of them to the existing mobs in the game is necessarily going to add much i mean most of them have already got one i mean if you think of yeah skeletons zombies spiders each have spawners likewise cave spiders they're tied to abandoned mine shafts but they only spawn from spawners nobody wants a creeper spawner really i mean the, mm. you can make a creeper farm but that is very much something that the player has to actively try and work towards um and and that's usually for gunpowder so if you had a location that spawned more creepers that'd just be like okay i'm turning this area into a gunpowder farm then and I, I can see it working to an extent but i feel like it doesn't necessarily have a place in the game unless it's for something new there are quite a lot of mobs that have had structures like this since a while back. Like We haven't mentioned witch huts yet, but they're a thing that spawns in swamps and reliably generates witches, especially if you do enough preparation of the surrounding area. It doesn't spawn them in nearly the extent that those pillager towers spawn pillagers, because <laughs> it, it was weird to me taking one on for the first time and realizing that they weren't going to stop spawning that, you know, because I was there, it was like, okay, no, we need more pillagers in this area, and it's quite a wide radius. So wherever mm -hmm. you are in there, it's got somewhere else it can spawn one. Um, I love guardian temples. I think they're a great idea, and it's good to have those mobs specifically tied to those structures because then it makes you go out and look for them. So when it comes to adding new mobs to the game, I think one of the best ways to incorporate them into the game in the same way, in the same way to you know mirror the success that guardians were is have them really only spawn at that location encourage the player to explore to it and then have it be expansive enough that it provides a lot of materials for the player and you know it's something that they can convert into something technical like a farm that can you know reproduce these things over and over again but that would kind of require me to 
understand what Mojang has coming up yet. Right. <laughs> like, um, I, I don't think they could do something like that for Phantoms. You know, there's, the Phantoms aren't going to have like a helicarrier or something yeah. <laughs> that they're going to swoop down from the sky <laughs> from. It doesn't doesn't quite work that way. So it has to suit no. the mob in particular. And in yeah. considering some of the stuff they've talked about um, generating in savannas and deserts when they update those, maybe some mm. kind of like meerkat warren or a termite mound or something right. like that could sort of be a generated structure on that level. Doesn't have to be as big as an ocean temple or a pillager tower. Doesn't have but... to be a building either. Could be could be an like a naturally generated cave or or um, like you said, termite mound. Like a giant, I'm thinking giant beehive yeah, I'm thinking or building. Like that. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking building, but obviously changing it to being something a little bit more natural. You know, like a specific kind of tree. You know, like a, just a very big version. You know, of of a tree. Yeah, you know? and I mean, another good example would be like, you know, we've talked about having, we've got polar bears and it would be cool if we had bears. Well, what if bears were only found in bear caves? Yeah. Right? Or, yeah. or, or they, they, had to, they had to have one nearby because that's where they went home to mm-hmm. sleep, you know, something like that. Yeah, there, there, there are options for that kind of thing. And I think it's something that Mojang is pretty smart about doing. We've always had biome-specific spawning and biomes are obviously quite large. So when it comes to stuff like ocelots and so forth, you're always going to find one in a jungle eventually. Same with parrots and so forth. And so I think tying it to smaller structures only really works with hostile mobs for the most part, because those are places that, you know, people aren't going to run into these things everywhere. They have to go out and find this specific location. But interesting concept. And I I do think I would like to see that happening in future for whatever hostiles get added to the game. I think at least one of them per update kind of deserves a new structure as well. Because structures Mm -hmm. also inspire the player. They give, you know... A, yep. a, ch- a chance for players to completely overhaul something or take that building style as inspiration and build some stuff around it not sure if you'd want to do that with a pillager tower but that might be an interesting challenge if anyone wants to build like a a pillager village where they're constantly being shot by crossbows be my guest yeah if pillagers shot other things than villagers like if they were able to kill animals or something like that you could, it's almost like you could have like you know imagine in for fun and creative purposes having your chicken farm put chickens in front of pillagers and have the pillagers kill the chickens <laughs> yes, like, like I, a firing I squad like just, yeah i mean I, you know, i'm being a little bit you know over the top but like something like that could could be kind of interesting yeah i mean name, name tag some of those patrol vindicators johnny and watch them kill all of your chickens right right, right. i forgot about that yeah Let, let's let's move on to our round table discussion though because otherwise we're going to let the time get away from us uh let's start with you this time what have you what have you brought to the table this week I think this is going to be a short discussion because we've sort of touched on it before, but it's become a meme now on my Twitch stream, which I found very, very funny. Uh, I get hashtag no crack slabs all the time now, which which is great. Uh, but one of the things I wanted to talk about was what is the logic behind obvious omissions from new additions to the game? And I'll explain. Uh, we recently got a slew of stone slabs, stairs, and walls. Notably missing from the list are smooth stone stairs, the kind that you smelt. So the ones that you have to put in the smelter now, they, they were previously just regular smooth stone slabs and stuff like that, but there are no stairs in those variants. Uh, and things like cracked stone bricks uh, are there, but they do not have a slab or a stair variant. Where, whereas uh, diorite and andesite have smooth versions and regular versions. Mm-hmm. It just seems like you've crossed most of your T's and dotted almost all of your I's yeah. when when writing a sentence. Like it, just, it feels like such an obvious thing to include, and I'm not sure why. Uh, the other example that I know we've brought up on the show before is that lanterns cannot be placed on walls 
um, but they can be placed uh, sitting on top of a block or being hung from a block from underneath, but you can't place it on the side face uh, of, of a block. Uh, and that's true of some things, like you can't put torches on glass on the side. You have to put them on the top, um, mm -hmm. and that's been in the game for a long time. But for, for a sandbox game, these quote-unquote rules to me seem subjective. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not a function thing. It's not something that's hard for the game to do or is encouraging any kind of gameplay. They are telling you how you can and cannot decorate your world, mm -hmm. which seems a little bit off brand for me. So how, like, how do you approach stuff like that from a, from your, like from a mindset? I think there are a few reasons that they could potentially not choose to add stuff like that. First of all, I'm going to say the texture not mapping to the model very well. Because I kind of wonder if the case with those smooth stone textures would be that they just looked weird when they were mapped to stairs. Mm -hmm. Like like the kind of darker area in the middle versus that light border. For whatever reason, on stairs, it just didn't look so great. And they couldn't, you know, retexture just the stair model alone because it wouldn't be consistent with the way the rest of them behave. Maybe something like that. And again, I'm purely speculating here but i do kind of wonder if stuff like that crosses their mind likewise with the cracked stone stairs i'm not certain how that texture would map to stairs although i think i've seen it in the past and on, on like quark or something like that one of the sort of mods that adds additional slabs and stairs for everything and it didn't look too bad but that was with the old texture so maybe the new textures are kind of interfering with that uh second of all i think maybe crafting it would be confusing and when it comes to the cracked stone bricks, for example, you get those from smelting them. But then, do you smelt stone brick stairs to get cracked stone brick stairs? I mean, you could, in theory, but that wouldn't necessarily be the most intuitive way of doing things. Modeling stairs out of cracked stone brick would be, but then you've got like multiple different ways of crafting the same thing, and it starts to become a little bit confusing for the player. If I want to get cracked stone slabs, do I have to make stone brick slabs first? Because now we have to smelt stone to get smooth stone and then turn that into slabs you can't smelt stone slabs to get smooth stone slabs i feel like they have to draw the line as far as some of the consistency goes and that line gets drawn before all of the variants of cracked stone brick again i don't i don't quite know what the logic is behind that um i i i'm 100 with you by the way on the fact that cracked stone brick would make a perfect addition to the existing blocks because as we've said on, if not last show, then the show before, if you're making a ruined area, those slabs and stairs are going to be crucial to making a structure look ruined because they're mm -hmm. the jagged edges and the loose things that have fallen out of this building that you've been making out of regular stone brick. So it does confuse me. Uh, they have stated in the past that, you know, players work better when they are given limitations and, you know, the, the creativity isn't necessarily stifled by just omitting one or two. But I agree, it does feel like, yeah, they've they've given us 51 cards in the 52-card deck, you know. Yeah. But, but, but with yeah. this one, it's, it's not like with this one card we can't play, but it will be noticeable when it doesn't show up. Yeah, well, and it, for, I mean, a really good example is that people have been, been wanting uh, stairs and slabs in the concrete blocks for ages. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there's a texture that's, not going to be a problem right like yeah. that it's a colored block like there's hardly any texture to it at all uh, i mean i i understand that it's subtle and it is there but it's it's not something that's overly complex compared to say like a cracked stone uh brick texture um but instead of giving us 
yellow, green, and purple stairs and slabs, they've given us none in the concrete, right? They're saying, you don't get these in stairs and slabs. Mm -hmm. And that, while not something I'm happy about, I understand as like, this is just a limit of like, we just didn't want to get into this in the game. But when you do release, you know, a number of these things and you're only missing two out of all the stone in the game and you've just omitted these two. Um, and the thing that I find really um, frustrating about it is that I'm not a game dev. I'm just playing the game. Mm -hmm. And it's the first thing that I noticed. Yeah. Right. It, it, it was immediate to me. And I've also seen videos and I, I won't, I'm not mentioning anybody on purpose. Uh, where someone has retextured a stone stair to be cracked or they've like, they've done it. Like it's the, so the technical challenge is not even there. It's like, yeah. th like this is a, a choice that's being made for an unknown reason. And uh, similar to the communication stuff that we mentioned earlier in the news, like it would be nice to know. Um, I know that I did mention that I saw a Reddit post, you know, from, from Jappa, I think talking about the lantern decision. Um, but, the, and this is where I think the lantern is a good example of them, in my opinion, uh, crossing the line and saying like, you know, we're, we're going to force the players into using this in a different way if the player doesn't want to use it in a certain way they're not going to yeah and, right? and I, I think i think their their reasoning was also that you would just use that instead of considering the alternatives you know you would just use lanterns everywhere instead of placing torches or coming up with something with redstone lamps or something like that because i i think people are so excited about lanterns right now and lanterns are such a new texture that everyone's just wants to to use them right out of the gate and i mm -hmm. think they're they're wondering if maybe adding concrete stairs and slabs just means everyone's going to build everything out of those blocks and you know they're not going to be inspired by the other materials like nobody's going to build any walls out of wood anymore because they have all of the different concrete styles and that kind of thing and i don't think that's necessarily the case so if <laughs> if that's their thinking then maybe their thinking is a little bit off but mm -hmm. i yeah i i don't know it it's it's more it's harder and harder for me to actually justify this from mohang's perspective which of course is something i know very little about but yeah from my perspective i'm i'm really not sure why they're not doing it no i mean a really good example is end rods like you can put end rods sideways on something and they look weird mm -hmm. <laughs> like, i mean I'm, don't take it away my mohang i'm not saying it's bad i'm just saying like compared to a lantern which logically you would think because we've all seen sconces throughout our lives and movies and everything else. You would think that that would be able to be hung on a, a vertical surface on the side of something. But if someone hands you an end rod, which does not exist in real life, and says, yeah. oh, hey, by the way, kind of like a plunger, this just sticks to the side of the wall. Just book. It's right there. It's like, what? <laughs> Where's the logic there? Anyway, yeah. Um, so that's, I just, I, I wanted to voice it because I find it very peculiar that this is the the direction that these new blocks are, are facing if we get more new additions um either brand new blocks or uh new variants of existing blocks i kind of hope that in the future they would look at you know all of the things you know like you would think like if they added a new wood type like a new baobab tree and they didn't give you stairs and slabs and fences and <laughs> fence gates and like you know like you would yeah. think that you know or if they gave you almost everything it's like hey you can do stairs and slabs in the new baobab texture but you can't do fences like how weird would that be right 
yeah it, it would be it would be a little strange so yeah, yeah the, the the material quest continues will we will we ever see concrete stairs and slabs <laughs> the thing the thing before, before we move on the thing i was thinking was that lanterns look like they're from a very specific era they've got that dickensian gaslight kind of thing they've even got that they faint do, yeah. animated texture and so i feel like that limits their usage in a way that moyang maybe hasn't considered because if mm-hmm. you're building something that's super futuristic you're not going to stick this iron wrought lantern in the middle of your thing you're going to use end rods at that point or you're going to yes. switch you know sea lanterns and and stuff behind glass and you're going to use different light sources entirely whereas i think with concrete you're not looking at it and thinking, yes, that's a set of stairs made out of concrete. You're just thinking that's a red set of stairs. It allows for that kind of imagination to come through a little bit more because you're imagining that to be whatever material, whereas the lantern doesn't really look like anything but a lantern. It's the same with torches. To me, they just look like big wooden torches driven into the ground. And there's a few other blocks like that, like birch logs, for example, is the one I always bring up because in their natural form, forget stripped logs or planks or whatever, natural birch logs don't look like anything other than birch logs, or yeah. maybe or maybe a zebra, but they <laughs> they look <laughs> they look they look so much like birch logs that I have a hard time using them in builds because my brain can't interpret them as anything else. And I think that's that's where lanterns would reach their limitation and why players wouldn't overuse them. That would be my argument against Moyang's current philosophy. And I feel like, yeah, the, the concrete slabs and stairs and that kind of stuff would allow for a greater variety of things to be worked into builds in creative ways. And you, you'd allow for more imagination to come through rather than less. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement as far as that stuff goes, but I'm a builder as well, so I just want more materials to build with. If anybody out there knows of a data pack that will allow me to place lanterns on the side of blocks, let me know. Yes, email Joel directly. at gmail.com or at Joel Duggan on Twitter, but thespawnchunks at gmail.com because I think our listeners would probably want to know too. Let's move on to my topic. We've got one more thing that we need to cover before the end of the show. Uh, so I've I've actually I put a couple of topics to our patrons, as is my uh, my sort of week, uh, monthly routine now i give uh, folks in our discord two roundtable topics to decide upon and they chose this one which is what else do we think could be automated without breaking the core gameplay of minecraft so let me explain because i was thinking about some features that have been added to 1.14 speaking of the quality of life stuff that i was talking about at the start of the show uh 1.14 brought us the ability to shear sheep using dispensers which allows for passive automated wool farming it might be a small quality of life change for some, irrelevant for others, but it's a big deal for folks like us who like to automate resource collection to allow for, you know, a, a bit more scope of projects in survival worlds. Uh, so what else do you and I think we should, uh, what, what else do we think could be automated with similar ease, but for quality of life rather than having a huge, ef- a huge effect on gameplay, like, for example, automated crafting would? I think the, the, the design philosophy going in is that automated crafting is never going to be a thing because players should always be responsible for making certain materials. They are the ones who assemble stuff from the component parts into something else. But Mm. what else could we get in terms of resource collection, in terms of automation that we don't already have? I'm going to throw out a couple of examples first. Do you think dispensers should be able to place more blocks? They can already place things like liquids, water, and lava. Uh, They can... 
um, place pumpkins on top of snow golems, they can place boats on water, they can light TNT, they can do a variety of other things. I've wanted dispensers to be able to place armor stands for a really long time because then you could automate basically every aspect of an armor stand. You can spawn it in with a dispenser, you can use dispensers to add armor and shields and other items to the armor stand, or you, and then you can use an arrow fired from a dispenser to break it. So dispensers could be part of every stage in an armor stand's like life cycle, for want of a better word, mm-hmm. yep. but, they, but they can't place armor stands in the first place. And I've actually had somebody, um, Eldrion on Twitter, uh, actually sent me a a data pack that allowed armor stands to be placed by dispensers it was literally two lines of code as far as i remember it was it was just that simple uh so it's possible and it doesn't really break the game it's not like automated crafting it's just something that could potentially add a little bit of fun in terms of like making jump scares for example you could have something that places an armor stand with a dispenser and then immediately puts a creeper head on it just to give somebody a fright when they walk in your front door uh nice. A couple of other examples, could dispensers maybe be able to feed animals for automatic breeding? You probably don't want something that automatically kills the animals because in in the case of sheep, you're just harvesting wool from them harmlessly. And if you get into a dispenser being able to like, I, I guess that you can you can shoot them with arrows from a dispenser, but a dispenser being able to like swing a sword at something seems a little bit over the top. But automatic yeah. breeding, if you could have a dispenser like in a factory situation that could like feed animals like that, Maybe that's not something they want to encourage. I don't know. But in terms of the suspicious stew production that I was talking about earlier, you could automate that by having the dispenser be able to feed a brown mushroom a flower, and then you could just stand there right-clicking on it to get the suspicious stew every time the dispenser went off. So I kind of wonder if dispensers could be done, like more stuff could be done with them, or maybe there are other aspects of the game that could be automated without just breaking everything. Yeah, I feel like in terms of like item drops and item collections the two first things that come to mind that's a terrible sentence uh are similar to using shears to uh to shear sheep from a dispenser you could use shears in a dispenser to harvest a vine yeah so yeah, you know okay. when the when the vine grows over the observer face that sends a signal to your dispenser to then cut the vine and that drops down into a collection system and like i mean it would give you an option to you know automatically collect vines if you wanted to you know yeah or you could just go into a jungle with a pair of shears and have at it like you know there's options but vines Um, don't vines don't break nearly as quickly as leaves do when you shear them as well so harvesting vines has always been a bit of a slow process and it's something that i really think could benefit from automation so that's that's Mm. a pretty good call um yeah you could you could up you could up the cost of the durability so like you'd have to replace the shears more often you know mm-hmm. that like if, if it was something that would take the player a full mining session to actually mine in terms of like um what do you, what do they call that mining time mining yeah like time, time, time to break or whatever time yeah. to break yeah so like it, it, instead of having it be like an insta break or insta mine you could have the the dispenser have more durability taken off the shears and shears don't last that long to begin with yeah um, the other thing that pops to mind is uh, being able to place crops. So if you have tilled earth in front of a dispenser that is full of wheat seeds and you activate the dispenser, it would then plant the wheat seed. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't really, it doesn't matter to me whether the dispenser has to be facing up or down or sideways. Like, I mean, you could restrict it, I guess, but it would make more sense that it would just not matter. Uh, similar to how when you have bone meal in a dispenser now and you point it at a planted crop, it will then 
grow the crop. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, so then through water to harvest and collect, uh, dispensers to bone meal and dispensers to plant, you could essentially uh, automate farming without enslaving villagers, mm-hmm. which seems to be a direction that Moyang is going as well. So yeah. I, those are the first two things that come to mind are, are usually like crop-based, like food-based. So I'm with you on the no auto-crafting. Like that to me, that to me is what's called Minecraft. Yeah. And I think <laughs> yeah, at some like... point, either through you or through other channels, I've heard that like, automatically mining and automatically crafting are not things they're going to add to the game because that's not the game <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and there are definitely there there are player-led um kind of creations that will mine for you in terms of like tnt having a massive drop right now so like tunnel boring with tnt and slime block flying machines has become a possibility mm-hmm. um and, and getting all of the resources from that um and you're looking at things like you know crafting stations that while they don't automate the crafting for you they at least make it like only a few clicks so you have stuff like the recipe book to be able to craft a huge amount of slime blocks at once if you just got like a thing of slime balls that you want to craft Mm. up into blocks that kind of stuff but that's not automatic crafting yeah so i think there are dispensers can already do so much i feel like we're dwelling on dispensers a little bit here but they do seem like the, the the thing that because they've they've already got so much functionality that you can differentiate them from droppers dispensers are able to place shulker boxes and stuff like that as well there's so much you can do with them that i feel like they could be more consistent in their application of being able to place things like entities armor stands in particular of course but then yeah Mm -hmm. being able to shear vines if they can shear sheep why not vines it kind of makes a little bit more sense and and if nothing else those would just be making these mechanics a little bit more consistent across the board rather than introducing something brand new into the game that might potentially break progression and who needs vines other than people who want to make mossy cobblestone or mossy stone brick right Mm -hmm. occasionally you decorate stuff with vines but they always grow out of control anyway yeah hey look you you might want mossy stone stairs or mossy stone slabs Mm -hmm. there's more to do with them now exactly uh yeah i'm being a little cheeky uh (laughs) the something else that I, i think i've actually seen a data pack that might do this is uh when a sapling falls on the ground instead of needing to be picked up or having it despawn and having it need to be placed by a player, what if the sapling uh, had a chance to automatically um, root itself? To replant, yeah, yeah. There, you know, without... So, like, so you could chop down a tree, remove all the wood. If you don't care about the leaves, you could just leave them. And as they despawn, a random chance of of a of a sapling falling could mean that that forest could eventually replant itself much like how the real world works you know like when when trees shed their seeds eventually if it's not eaten by an animal that seed could germinate and grow another tree Mm -hmm. yeah there's there's some stuff like that that i don't think yeah it, it wouldn't completely break progression in the same way that being able to like automatically harvest some stuff and auto craft stuff would but just interesting mm. that now moyang has started very transparently listening to player feedback and they even had a section of the 114 change log that was like these are quality of life changes suggested by players i feel like there are some interesting options for automation in future but i, th- yeah. I think that i think mm. that's where we're gonna have to cap off our discussion because if we're in danger of running a little bit long here so uh i'm gonna call it there folks thank you so much for listening to this episode of the spawn chunks you can find m- more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about at the the music for the show was composed by me and the spawn chunks is proud to be a listener supported podcast if you're getting some value out of the show 
why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join the community, where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat and get us closer to our next goal of recording the Spawn Chunks live in Discord with everybody else listening in. We're currently sitting at 113 patrons, which is another increase from last week. Thank you guys so much for your support. And special thanks to our content engineers, JD Williamson, Pajitos, uh, Panqua, and Yitz for supporting this episode. Spreading the word about the podcast is the easiest way to support the show. It is 100% free to tell friends that you like it and they will like it too. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter, Instagram, and on Gmail. You can also give personal recommendations to people in your Minecraft communities, which goes a long way. You can find the show on any podcast app from iTunes, Android, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can find the show notes at thespawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. And that's where you get to listen to The Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixelriffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called The Minecraft Survival Guide. I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search, and I stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work on the Survival Guide world. I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I'm doing online is at joelduggan.com. I am Joel Duggan across all social media. I'm going to point you towards Twitch right now because that's where I'm doing most of my content. Although I am back to putting uh, videos up on YouTube, but twitch.tv slash joelduggan, that is where I'm working on the frost tree in the realm of Aston. And now that we have 114.2, I'm going to be updating the Citadel and branching off into doing some new and exciting things there. So uh, check me out over on Twitch. It's a lot of fun. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite and there are 176 million copies of it.